The Women of Ill Repute, with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. So, hey, Mo, I, I think Alan Doyle, who obviously is our guest this week, I think he might be the happiest man in the country. He's like so happy, happy, happy. <laughs> Even his biography describes him as a perennial merrymaker, perennially making merry. Yeah, it's true. Either with Great Big C, that was his band. It turned Canada into one big kitchen party. And from Newfoundland, he knows all about kitchen parties. Or on his own uh, with a new album out that's called Welcome Home. But perhaps, like the clown, he smiles on the outside but weeps on the inside. <laughs> uh, we can try and get him to confess to that, Maureen, but I, I, I don't think so. Or, you know, I'm, we were just talking uh, about Newfoundland. It might be in the nature of Newfoundland, which some people would say is one of the bleakest places to live. But the people respond with warmth and laughter and music. That could be key. Yeah, it's also so beautiful. So I don't know. Like, maybe. We'll have to have them. Alan Doyle is a Canadian musician, actor, writer, and producer. Formerly with Great Big C, Alan has been on his own for the past eight years, although I don't think Alan is ever on his own. Not today. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. Uh, There he be. Yeah, National Treasure. We're going to get into that, Alan, about, yeah, you never visited the mainland until you went on tour in the 90s. So so there you go. I wish we were in a pub with a a pint with you, because that's what everybody imagines. Wouldn't you not have spoken in a pub? Yeah, have you? Yeah, well, we did an interview ages ago, which was in a pub, but I don't think there was anybody else like drinking seriously. It was just just you and me. Yeah, we were we we're kind of, but you were so I don't know. You were talking about pissing in a bucket or whatever as a kid, and and you were like, oh, yeah, it's it's like great. And my mom was this, and my dad was this, and you're just I, so so so. This is where you're supposed to confess to secretly being like very very unhappy. <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> Clowns cry too. That's what I was saying. Yeah, in the inside. That's right. So let's go back to the very, very, very beginning, just because I found it really interesting that you were the first Canadian born in your family, uh, although your family's been in Newfoundland forever, yeah. but pre-Confederation. Yeah, it's a wacky stat for most Canadians, but I'm a first-generation Canadian. <laughs> you know, like my mom and dad were born to a different country, right? They were, and 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 I think. In retrospect, that has been a sort of an incredible influence and blessing for a generation of of artists and storytellers and dancers and book writers and painters from here, you know, and and like we I think we punch above our weight in the arts in Canada, you know, and and, um, I think it's primarily because we have a story that's different and the history of our kind of coming to Canada is very recent. Like it is very, very, very recent, you know, like it happened in our parents' lifetime, you know, and where I grew up, you know, in this little fishing town in on the Southern shore, I mean, Canada was Tommy Hunter and Hockey Night in Canada. Like I didn't know anything else. Like, you know, how, what, how was I supposed to know? I mean, I've heard that I was from that country, but I'd never been there and I didn't know, any, I didn't know anybody from there and I had cousins somewhere up there, but I'd never met them. And if that was true for me, like as a teenager in the eighties, it was certainly true for the Cogco people in the 70s, and it was probably true for writers and painters like Christopher Pratt or whatever in the 60s. I don't know. You know, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but like we have our own thing. Mary Walsh always talks about it, about how one of the reasons we're so eager is that we, we could be number one. We could be number one in Newfoundland <laughs> Labrador. <laughs> she was the first person on our podcast, Mary Walsh. Yeah, Mary Walsh was our first guest. Rick Mercer was the first man that we had on. 
uh, a year ago. We were just talking to Misha uh, Bruger Gosman Lee. Yeah, she has. I mean, uh, if anyone didn't need to hyphenate their name. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, hey, and it's, you're right. There is an embarrassment of riches uh, tipped to the other end of the country and not just Newfoundland. I would, I'm going to include the Nova Scotia the Maritimes, uh, but Newfoundland especially. So what's the new album about? It says, welcome home, which is kind of an interesting sentiment at this point. Yeah, that's a song really about the sort of the almost sickness, let alone <laughs> of Newfoundlanders for when they're driven away from here. We've been doing it like even before Confederation with Canada. I mean, it's been the it's been the our greatest uh, our greatest and most regrettable pastime is people who had to leave here to go find work and and the pull to come home, you know, and that how what's the, the old joke was how can you tell a Newfoundlander and in heaven because he's the only one I thought of trying to go back home and and me and Tom Power we both got when the big member of Snowmageddon happened uh, I don't know four or five years ago or just before the pandemic I guess yeah yeah and me I was had a gig on the mainland and I got back as far as Toronto and I didn't get home and Tom Power uh, was in Toronto I don't think he was doing Q yet he was doing the other show and and I remember Tom <laughs> Tom was like we both knew what a time it was going to be in Newfoundland. Like everyone's going to be snowed in, stuck home for like five days. Like this is going to be awesome. And we were missing it. And we used to joke, we're the only two fellows in the world trying to fly into a state of emergency. Because <laughs> you don't want to miss out. <laughs> you want to miss out. And I, mi- I missed it. I have a deep regret. So Welcome Home is like, the, you know, that that song is is really just speaks to that. And then the whole record is kind of a, the way we recorded it and and the, the joy and, of it all is really sort of a, a response to being stuck in this room by myself for two years, you know, and, and making music here, lots of it by myself or over the internet, like we're doing this chat. And when, you know, as I said, it's the next record I make after we got, we got out of the pandemic, I'm putting everyone in a great big studio and we're all going to go to their getter and we're all going to play it live off the floor. And, and there's, it's going to be all old school, you know, abandon a room because I just, you know, kind of missed everybody. I find the duality really interesting because you, you're you so proud of, of, of where you're from and you're so full of love for everybody who lives on the island. And yet I was surprised to read how much you love touring. Like it's, yeah, yeah that you love, we can get into the whole mainland uh, thing versus the, the Newfoundland thing, but that you love touring. Like how, why do you love touring so much? You said something about the structure of it all. Well, I mean, there's two parts to touring, right? There, there's many parts of it, but there's the two big parts, of course, are that you, and this is a direct Jim Cuddy quote from a very young wife. Uh, and Jim Cuddy's, I remember sort of pretending, thought it would sound cool if I said, yeah, man, we got to play like 120 gigs next year. So, you know, trying to sound like that was some kind of hardship. And Jim <laughs> Cuddy went, yeah, but you get to play music uh, 120 times next year. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, and that's okay to love that, you know? So yeah, the two parts are that, are the traveling, right? Which for some people would be a hardship. And then the other part is the fact that you get a gig at the end of the night. So the first part of it, the traveling, you know, I grew up, like I say, in this little town surrounded by hills on three sides and the ocean on the other one. And we had one station in the eighties, you know, on, and so the world for me was like outer space, you know, like we didn't have a car. I couldn't come to St. John's. Like, let alone like St. John's, I got to go like six times before I was a kid, you know, we didn't have a car, you know, so it was like, and the thought of getting to see Montreal or like, you know, Calgary or something was like, 
talking about going on prices right and winning the lotto or something you know like who gets to do that you know like and l- last week I, I had a gig in the alps in switzerland <laughs> i did i, I, I went know, to davos I don't, I don't doubt I it i swear to god and it's like i was just like walking around and me and Corey and kendall playing our banners we took a day at the end of it and we went to lausanne and geneva here we are wandering around to you know assholes from newfoundland and a guy <laughs> and i'm looking at like and it's like all on the back of a few songs and so the travel of it is no hardship to me like uh, i'm thrilled i'm thrilled to go to new places and i'm also thrilled to go back to places and have favorite places there you know like going to montreal and going like okay hurley's here we go everyone i know where to go this place over here is good i know where to go trust me come, come with me and that's such a great privilege, you know, to fly into New York and go, I know where to go. And to have these great cities of the world where you have your own little sort of path through them. You know what I mean? Like, it's so awesome. And then go to new places is great. And then the, the great big sea boys would always say that I was like a touring robot. You know, like no one has ever been physically better built for it than me because Alan can get 12 minutes sleep in a 15 minute cab ride, you know, and wake up totally refreshed. And uh, can still do that. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm a pro. I can sleep through a root canal. It's it's a gift. You know? Oh, easily. I fell asleep. I fell asleep in an MRI. <laughs> oh, really? Bong, 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 Even bong. with the clanging and all. Wow, Please don't wow. fall asleep. I always wonder if it's going to be one of the things that'll kill me one of these days is that I, I burn at such a high rate. Like, I always think of myself as like a battery. I operate really well at like 85% and over, but a second it gets like to 83 or 82, I fall asleep. That sounds so <laughs> familiar. I've never heard it described that way, but. I watch my friends who like fly fish and stuff or like play chess or do things around 60% and they're still awake and enjoying their lives. And of course I can, uh... but then, so that's, that's the travel part. But the other part of course is, you know, you get to play a concert every night. You know, if you're doing what I do for a living and you have a set of music to play in front of a full house, if that's 50 or 50,000, whatever, and you don't love it, like that's not like, thrilling and terrifying and all that then you really shouldn't be doing this for a living like you know you really really need to stop like if that's not awesome please don't do it i find it more exciting now than ever like because i'm you know i'll be 55 this year and you know i always been very grateful you know and appreciative that i get to do this for a living and (laughs) and my brother (laughs) has recently started saying uh uh, alan i'm like yeah man we got another record coming out getting the another tour around it's gonna take a couple years to do it you know and it's like oh geez i'll be 55 when we get going or whatever and my brother says alan but i know you don't want to but uh you might have to start letting yourself believe that you might actually get away with this (laughs) imposter syndrome right they're gonna think they actually get to play music for your whole life (laughs) you might keep fooling them it makes me think of mick jagger (laughs) So Mick Jagger at 50 or whatever he was, he was, he was a youngster like you. And he was, he was asked. So like when you're, when you're 80, Mick, you're, you're not going to be singing. You go, fuck yeah, I'm going to be singing. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be whatever. So not that he's anybody's great hero, but it sounds like you got another 20, 30, 40 years in you. William Nelson says retire from what? <laughs> oh, I feel that as long as the Stones are touring, there's, it's totally, everyone else says carte blanche. I I love that. There's also community. I mean, I, so I went to see the Sky Diggers. Josh Finlayson's a, a, a friend, and uh, they have a they had a Christmas concert on, and Jim Cuddy came on, and uh, Devin Cuddy, and and um, from Bare Naked Ladies, keyboard player. I mean, everybody it was a big community, right? You knew you know all of them, right? They know all of you. They played the Pogues, of course. 
uh, the uh, fairy tale in New York. You opened for them in Glasgow. Yeah, many times. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would be a nat. That would be a natural marriage, but still. What year was he there? Was Shane there? Oh, over the years with the Pogues, uh, a few times, and then there was a time when Shane used to tour the band called the Popes with Shane McGowan and the Popes, and we were the opening band on a bunch of those with Great Big C. And uh, oh yeah, many, many, many times with the Pogues and festivals, and then uh, just two of us for many, many gigs, <laughs> and it was always an adventure. Oh, I also, bet yeah. he was a character. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> we did we did play one time at the. Celtic Connections Festival in Glasgow, uh, which is a wonderful festival that happens in late January, like right around now. It's actually it's actually happening right now in uh, Glasgow, and the, it happens in the various music venues around the city, the big theater, or the opera house, whatever they call it. And then there's a few smaller, like black box kind of gigs for small folky things. And then they have one big beer garden. They used to anyway, called the Fruit Market, and it was very much like something like the St. Lawrence Market in Toronto or something. You know, like that kind of like an open market where you might go buy, you know, vegetables or whatever, like with a, almost like a train station. You know what I mean? And they used to do, they, they would do a, like a big beer garden in there. That was the Pope, Shane McGowan and the Pope's in that one. And GBS was the opening band. <laughs> and there was, I think there was like some big soccer game or something that afternoon or rugby or something. Anyway, they, it was, it was a scene in there, like long before we got up to play and they were well into the cups as they say over there. And it was, you know, I think it was like 4,000 soccer louts, like <laughs> right, rare. There might've been three girls in the whole place. And, and, uh, and uh, anyway, they all went there to see Shane, of course. And anyway, before they come on, this polite little band with their little button accordion and shorts, they're going to come on, sing their happy fishing songs. And like, I was like, we are going to die here today. This is, but of course we went up and played and, you know, we survived it. And we, you know, play our set without them. Like, you know, I, I would tell you that we won them over, but we cert most certainly did not. Of course not. And we got off stage and the promoter came over and said, <laughs> Shane's not here. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we can't find him. No one knows where he is. You got to go back on. <laughs> he was like, no. And we did. Went back on and played for like another half an hour. I thought they were going to kill us. <laughs> but that was over. <laughs> The women of ill repute. So now you you play sort of country, like you're not you're not still wearing the shorts and you don't have the accordion. And there, well, maybe there's there's some accordion, but there's less accordion. There's less fiddle apparently, and, and it's more intimate. Like, what does that mean? Are you are you like changing? I mean, obviously you still love Newfoundland, you still love touring, but it's it's kind of a different music on your on your new album. This one is really the first record that I really ever let myself sort of look inward, you know, and. I'm always such a sucker, you know, for for a good night out and to be the the grand gesture, you know, in a night out, you know, that like I have always not been reluctant to, but been less inclined to sort of sing deeply personal songs about things like in a mid-tempo kind of way that lots of other people do all the time, you know, but, but I, you know, I'm certainly more known for the big bird murders and the and the big you know kaylee party songs and we got a couple of those on there as well but the, i just figured it was time and maybe it'll be the only time <laughs> where i kind of let myself you know just it's okay man you know people will listen to you if you sing a song to them now like that's that that's not 165 beats a minute and and has a hey 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 chant in the chorus <laughs> <laughs> Well, not to put that down because you've been doing that your whole life. It's great. Man, I love it. And and, and it's fun. It, it is the thing. 
<clears throat> that comes the most natural to me to do those kind of songs, those big barn burner, you know, happy crowd songs. I still, I still love them the most. <laughs> and I still love the accordion and the fiddle the most. My mom plays piano accordion, of course. And, and like, cause well, I'm from the button accordion world out here in Newfoundland, you know? So I'm, it's odd for me to like piano accordion more than button accordion, but I always have. And, uh, cause my mom plays it. She still does. And when I was a kid, like in the eighties, I loved trad music from here because everyone did and my family played it and we all loved it but you know much music started and i loved def leppard and van halen too you know like and and like any kid would have been and then but i remember this pivotal moment when john cougar put out lonesome jubilee remember that record like but check it out and cherry bomb and uh paper and fire and all those just this guy who had been on you know i had lots of john cougar records and all that then he puts out this record that has like fiddles and mandolins and accordions and stuff in it. And I was like, are we allowed, are we allowed to do that? Can I do that? Yeah. Like, I was like, I, like, I can do that. Like, you know, and, and so it was very influential that, that whole record and that time uh, combined with, you know, lots of local influences and stuff. So ever since Dylan went electric, fans have tried to hold their idols in a, in a place. Don't change. I yeah. fell in love with you for that. Don't turn into that. Yeah. It's it's the hardest thing as any kind of legacy artist is to to continue to grow and be honest with what you want to do that's thrilling you at the time without losing any of the people that uh that you you got because you did a different thing. You know, I don't make a big deal about it or anything, but it's like playing beer garden Celtic pub anthems is still my favorite thing to do. I still, like, uh, you know, um, and, you know, so there's a, there's a few of those on the record as well, including the title track. Spirit of the West, you know, and a couple of bands like that were very influential as well in that they, they could do the big party anthems and, and, and any closer look at them and you go like, wait a minute, that's, that's a deeply meaningful song. Pick any verse if you want in Home for a Rest, you know, one of the great pub anthems of our time you know you know like the, the gas heater is empty it's dank as a tomb and the spirits we drank are now ghosts in the room and i'm knackered again come on sleep take me soon and don't lift up my head till the 12 bells of noon like that's a beautiful stanza of writing now it happens to be in the biggest you know guzzler you know in canadian history but you're a fool if you don't think that's an amazing piece of writing because it is so is this as close as we're going to get to a confession <laughs> do, do we listen like super carefully to every every word in the, in the new album and look for a sad moment there is a couple of confessionals in there actually yeah, oh. a couple of them yeah but i'll let you see if you can find them <laughs> all right okay you can be coy for now i want to ask you about oscar isaac i mean okay oh he's a sweet oh, man yeah he's wonderful. Like, like you multi-talented i am yeah he's incredible yeah He's a songwriter as well as a performer. I mean, I knew this from Lewin Davis, which blew me away. And he's, he's, that's him playing guitar. Like, he's an incredible guitar player. He's great. I met Oscar uh, when I did the Robin Hood movie in um, 2009. Well, that was, that was an auspicious uh, uh, time for you, wasn't it? Oh, it was incredible. Was he in that? Oscar Isaac was in the... Oscar plays King. He does, too. Yeah, that's where I met Oscar. He was playing King John in the film, right? And... Um, that's why I always tell the stories about getting the Robin Hood gig because it was, it was, it was me and a bunch of famous people, you know? Also, I mean, that was tight. We'd be your name alone. You played Alan, Alan O'Dale. Yeah, come on, seriously, it's Alan Doyle. How could you not get I know. It's like, how, what do you mean? It's like, how, how could I not get that gig? <laughs> I'm, probably, I'm probably related to him. You know, they, 
No, it was awesome. My God, it was fantastic. And, and, uh, got to meet, you know, people, of course, Russell, who I knew very well and, and at the time, and then, you know, got to work with Kate Blanchett and Ridley Scott and, and Kevin Scotty, who played the other Mary men. I'd known them a little bit from past as well. They were amazing. And then, but of course, like, you know, William Hurt was in that movie and a couple of people who've become really famous since, you know, Oscar is one of them. And, uh, Matthew McFadden was in that movie. You know? Wow. He, oh, wow. I need to go back and see it. Matthew plays the sheriff. <laughs> I used, I lived right up the street from him in, 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 in Richmond for three months. He's, ha- he's having a lovely, lovely moment, isn't he? Yeah. These, so I got surrounded by these incredible people. Some of whom are on camera. Some of whom are like, you know, doing all kinds of technical stuff or whatever. They're the greatest people in that genre of, of, you know, entertainment in the world working on that movie. And Oscar was one of them. And then shortly after Robin Hood wrapped, I think it was around, so we shot that movie in 2009. And I think 2010, Oscar went on to do another movie called 10 Year or 10 Years. And it's about a, a rock star guy who, they go, they go back to the 10 year high school reunion. One of the characters has become a rock star and Oscar plays that guy. And it becomes revealed in the film, I'm not wrecking it for anyone, but that the, these big hit song is about a girl from high school girl that he never got to go out with and so oscar was working on that movie and we had spent a lot of time on the robin hood set sort of just you know learning how to make music on our computers and our trailers and you know just hanging out and and playing guitar and singing songs and stuff and he called me one night in 2010 and he told me that he'd been out working on this movie he convinced the director and the producer that he should write the song that is the hit song that the character plays and then he asked if i would help him do it so I was like, well, I'd love to do that. Sure. So I said, when do you need it? And he said, the day after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> He's calling you for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, put on a pot of coffee. So we worked on it sort of remote, just back and forth for kind of overnight because he was in New Mexico. I had to go to Toronto to sing the anthem at, at, a, at a Leafs game. I never got it. So... I got up and I was doing promotion for a record or something. I can't remember. Anyway, it's 2010. Some great big C thing, I guess. And I, I went to, I flew to New Mexico, flew to Albuquerque and went up in a hotel room with Oscar for about eight hours. And we wrote and recorded the final version that's in the movie, in that hotel room. And then it's in the movie. And then I, I've always loved that song. Like I say, the version that's in the movie is just Oscar and the guitar and it's beautiful and all that. But I, just, I always thought it would be cool to have that song kind of fully imagined with the band and stuff and so finally got around to doing it yeah it's on the new record it's on the new record what's the title it's called best i never had best i never had all right the good times and the bad you were the best i never had yeah what a story as as if you don't have any stories (laughs) 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 you're a performer i mean there's no point slotting you as singer songwriter writer because you are all those things but you are a performer do you want to continue being an actor? Oh, I'd play concerts for the rest of my life so happily. Like, I'll do any any gig in the arts that's fun to do. Write a book, musical, I don't care, whatever. But, I mean, if someone came through the door right now and said, you got to stop doing all that and you just get to play concerts for the rest of your life, I'll be that's cool. That, um, that's fine. Like Interesting. I worked on my first musical two summers ago. We wrote a musical called Telltale Harbor for the Charlottetown Festival. And, and then I played one of the roles in it. And so I got to act on stage for the bulk of the summer and, and loved doing it. It was great fun. But, you know, I've got, just been lucky, especially since I got that Robin Hood gig that my friends here in Newfoundland 
that's just sort of coincided with Alan Hocko and the boys getting Republican Doyle and then Frontier and then Son of a Critch now with Mark. And, and so between all the, this gang of friends of mine who are all so talented, they're always doing something cool. And sometimes they end up being in the show with them or like in Son of a Critch, for example, myself and my friend Keith score that show. So we do the music because uh, it, it's really fun because it's set in the 80s and it's all... <laughs> It's all traditional, like Newfoundland up tempo music or things that sound like "Hit Me with Your Best Shot." <laughs> I love that you love Newfoundland so much, and I love it too. I've I've only been there three or four times, and a couple times were for work. But you talk about like just the beauty, and it is bleak. And nobody, I've never been there in the winter. I have, <laughs> uh, I have. It's bleak and beautiful. And maybe maybe I could head to the pub and I would have an amazing time. But but it's also beautiful. And I love how you talk about Signal Hill. Uh, and it's so beautiful. It's part of like it's part of St. John's. It's it's like two minutes to get there and you walk up the back part and it's just and you look out to the the ocean. And I just but then getting there, it's like seven, eight hundred dollars to fly to, to Newfoundland. It's like ridiculous. Closer to Berlin and Newfoundland than you are to Toronto. Well, I was in, like, say, three days ago, I was in Geneva, and I was significantly closer to my house than than I would be if I was in Vancouver. Yeah. Where I'm sitting right now is closer to Moscow than it is to Tofino. Yeah. Well, it depends on which way you go, right? (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I love about St. John's, as you say, is that you can leave where I'm sitting right now in the middle of downtown St. John's, and you can walk into the wilderness, like not to a park or to like you can walk into the wilderness where eagles and bears live, like from where I am sitting and you can watch whales jumping. And there's not many cities you can do that, right? I mean, you know, we can walk from the bank, you know, to an eagle's nest, <laughs> you know. And there is this sense of community. I mean, it, the, you know, we do a little bit of prep for uh, the research for each person that we interview. And it talked about how, I think it was the guy from the Horseshoe said that, uh, yeah, we have some band from Alberta and there's maybe two Albertans, but we have a band. We have the Great Big Sea or whomever, you from from Newfoundland. All the Newfoundlanders go. All the Newfoundlanders yeah. go. <laughs> All the Newfoundlanders go. That's Jeff, right? That's Jeff. Uh, Jeff, who runs the horseshoe, and he—that's one of my favorite quotes from him—is like, you know, Alan, uh, when we have a band from Edmonton, all the Albertans don't show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that community—it's a phenomenal community built in isolation. Again, I think it goes back to what Mary said. You know that we were our own thing not that long ago, right? Like we were our own thing. We were and literally a generation ago. We were our own thing, and and so. I think, you know, up until very recently, we kind of feel like, you know, my grandfather would still, when he was alive, he would, you know, he would say, so you're going to Canada. <laughs> yeah. You're going up to Canada. Like, what are they like? Oh, they're very nice. Yeah, I heard that, you know. Like, what, but I mean, again, like Canada for people in my grandparents' generation might as well have been Malta, you know? I mean, they're never going to get to go there. Like, you know, <laughs> You're from Canada now. Well, it was what, 57, 58? When does it happen? Joey Smallwood, basically. There was a referendum. 49. Like Gordon Gordon just passed away, right? Oh, yeah. So like Gordon was born in the 20s, I think. So Gordon Gordon told a story of when he was 16, I think, or 17 or something, when he went to, got on the boat and went to North Sydney. So this would have been in, I guess it would have been in very early 1950s, maybe 1950. And he discovered when he got to North Sydney that he needed some kind of identification. <laughs> like a passport. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, yeah, and, <laughs> and, you know, I think one of the reasons that we tend to stick together across the country is that we have um, we have something that's our own and, and we're still crushed by being 
<laughs> by being the underdog and and uh and we we like to sort of promote each other as best we can and 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 i think it's served us really well in the last 25 years or 30 years especially you know we've been so disproportionately represented <laughs> in, you know in the entertainment and, and journalistic world of Canada that it's like. And you don't go to Hollywood. I, I, I'm sure if I thought more, there must be some who have gone to Hollywood, but you tend to, it's like the home Not thing. Not that many. Yeah, we have a Holyrood here, so. <laughs> Holyrood. Hollywood over Holyrood. <laughs> it's not the same. There's a big achievement to leave here and get to Toronto and make it work. You know, that's hard. So, you know, it, it's just a thing that we're used to leaving, you know, that's, and that's the whole welcome home song is that, you know, if it's harder on the leaving or the left behind, you know, that's the question and, and that we struggle with all the time, you know, and, but as for me, as you say, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky to be in a band for a living. So I get the best of both worlds. I always going somewhere and always coming home. It's fantastic. So I said, I said during the pandemic, actually, when I accidentally said, I didn't mean for it to be a quote, but people have reminded me, I said it on one of those supper time sing-alongs that I said during the pandemic, what do you miss? And I said, I miss coming home. I haven't come home in a long time. I've yeah, been home. I know. So you have to go away to come back. And yeah, uh, that is a natural segue. We'll, we're going to play Welcome Home right now. And uh, Alan Doyle, what a pleasure as always to see you. We all feel like, we're, like the whole world feels, or all of Canada feels that, oh yeah, Alan, he's a good buddy. He's a national treasure. So far, so good. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for talking. Yeah. Congratulations on the new album. We'll see you in a bar. See you in the pub. <laughs> it's been a long and lonely road, I know. So welcome, welcome home. Welcome, welcome home, I know. So welcome, welcome home. Okay, I have a little Great Big Sea story. Okay, go ahead. Okay, and again, it's more about me, the great big C, but when I was expecting Ronan, I was pregnant with Ronan, our youngest, and so Aiden would have been about five, and so we decided to go on a on a road trip, and we didn't go to Newfoundland, <laughs> but we, we drove all the way. We drove up through Quebec City, down through New Brunswick, and all around Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, and it rained every damn day, and so we had a cassette of, a cassette of great big C, and we played that and Aiden just wanted, you know what, when they're that age, they just want to hear the same thing over and over and over. <laughs> so, so we listened to great big C for the 10 days that we were there. And cause every day we'd get up and it'd be raining. We'd say, let's just drive somewhere else and listen to the, listen to music. And it was always the music loved it, but you know, and so flash forward 18 years later, or no, 15 years later, 13. And I'm in uh, Halifax with Aiden. We're looking at universities, right? He's all grown up now. We're looking at schools for him. And Great Big C is playing in Halifax. We're looking at Dell. And uh, I said, oh, let's go see. And the video goes, sure, but I'm not going with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that only lasted for five or 10 years. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. But anyway, yeah, I know. But it's just a lovely man. And it's true. Every time you do feel like he's He's your best buddy. He's Canada's best buddy. I uh, I have a real soft spot for him, which probably shows. But I do want to listen very carefully to find because the sad it's parts. hidden. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of of confessions, but he said that they're very well hidden, which they should be. And and he should enjoy himself. Like life is to be enjoyed. 
Yeah, as much as we do enjoy him. Yeah, yeah. and even Mick Jagger, like, you know, he's still partying at 80 or whatever he is. Yeah. And, and so Alan Doyle will, will be too. And, uh, and he's got a great so. voice. So, yeah. Well, you know, when you're happy, you live longer, right? That's what they say. I'm happy. Okay, I'll be happy. Okay, we'll be around forever. God, God help us all. <laughs> Women of Ill Repute was written and produced by Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley with the help from the team at the Sound Off Media Company and producer Yet Belgraver. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.